Welcome to the You Can Eat With Us podcast with Libre Connections. Join your host, Tara Harbstreet, as she sits down to chat with people who have experienced the ups and downs of intuitive eating and body acceptance on their path to health and happiness. All right, hello, and welcome to another episode of the You Can Eat With Us podcast. I'm your host, Kara Harbstreet, and today we are coming to you with episode 24 here in season two. I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest this week. She's actually our very first international guest. So I'm excited to welcome Nicola Salmon to the show today. We're gonna be getting into the topic of fat positive fertility. I know I've said it before, but it bears repeating. If you're one of the guys that's listening into the podcast, you might feel like this topic isn't for you. And to some degree, you know that may be true. However, if you're the partner or a spouse of someone who is going through some fertility struggles or you plan on starting a family in the future, then there can still be some really helpful information in here about how a non-diet approach can really support fertility no matter what size body you or your partner lives in. Okay, so with that being said, let's go ahead and meet our guest for the week. I first got connected with Nicola through Instagram, of course. That's where I get connected with so many of the podcast guests that make their way onto the different episodes. But she has some really engaging posts, and I knew immediately when we were looking into the topic of fertility and women's health that she would be a great person to interview. So Nicola is a fat-positive and feminist fertility coach. She advocates for change in how fat women are treated on their fertility journey. She supports fat women and others with disordered eating who are struggling to get pregnant to find peace with their body, find their own version of health, and finally escape the yo-yo dieting cycle. So you may have heard in that description that we're using the term fat as a neutral descriptor. So that's the first disclaimer that we're going to put on this episode. And we actually do discuss that a little bit further on, but it's important to note that language is really important and each of us can have our own preference about how we choose to describe our body. So just be aware that when you hear that term or you hear us describing fat bodies or living in a fat body, just know that I myself have to disclose my own thin privilege and I'll always defer to to using the same language as either what our guest is using or the person who I'm interviewing because I don't share that lived experience. So just be aware of that. And then the second disclaimer for this episode is that even though Nicola is a fertility specialist and I'm a registered dietitian, nothing that we discuss on this episode is meant to replace individualized or personalized nutrition or health advice. So just be aware that this is for informational and educational purposes only. But that's enough of that. I really want to get into the interview. This is one that I'm really proud of because I think it touches on so many important topics that I have a feeling could resonate with a lot of you who are listening in. So let's go ahead and get right into our interview with Nicola. All right, welcome to this episode of the You Can Eat With Us podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to our very first international guest. Today, I am sitting down to chat with Nicola Salmon. So welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be your first international guest. Yes, I first found you on Instagram, like I kind of mentioned in the bio um, before we started our conversation, but I was first introduced to your work, and I'm so, so curious to chat with you today, but as always, before we get into that, we love to open each episode with getting to know you a little bit better, so what can you tell us about your journey with food and your body? Oh, well, it's a very... Yeah, a love-hate relationship, I'd put it as, because 
ever since I can remember, ever since I was tiny, I loved food. And I think that scared some people how much I loved food. And um, when I was growing up, I remember distinct times when I was <clears throat> given different um treatment than my sister so I have a younger sister she's about three years younger than me um and you know we were, we're quite chalk and cheese so I had I wasn't a fat fat child but I was a larger child and she was a skinnier child and I still remember how differently we were treated um growing up with like food choices that we were given she was allowed to have different foods than I was um and all that kind of kind of separation and me having to have kind of certain foods only really created this kind of issue around food where I had to feel like I had to hide it so um I remember times being caught in the act like in the kitchen where I'd almost like concocted some kind of cake batter out of ingredients in the kitchen just so I could have something sweet because I was denied sweet food so many times and there's yeah I just have really distinct memories of issues kind of like this fear around food or this um yeah it's really complicated relationship with food and it's taken me until like you know the last few years to really understand why that was and to actually start to begin to enjoy food again like I did when I was a lot younger yeah, kind of a tumultuous relationship, it sounds like, and compounded oh, even further by the fact that such a close family member, you know, a sibling, is receiving mm. quite different messages. So from there, how did that start to inform your interest in the work that you do today? Or did it kind of take a few different directions before you finally landed at the work that you're doing now? Yeah, again, it was a really kind of crazy, crazy ride to get here. So um the food stuff led to dieting, led to yo-yo dieting. And when I was 16, I was actually diagnosed with PCOS, which is the polycystic ovarian syndrome. Like, And it's a metabolic and hormonal condition, which means you have irregular cycles, you put on weight, it's difficult to lose weight. So I've always had that kind of hormonal stuff going on. And when I was 16, the doctor told me that I wouldn't be able to have children. So that was kind of like a big whoa. And then that you know I didn't really understand that at the time at 16 but it, looking back now I noticed how much of an impact it had on like my, my mental health my um, confidence in myself my confidence in my body my relationship and trust in my body it had such a huge impact and then I kind of I went on I did the uni thing got a degree went on to get a job in a hospital as a clinical scientist and then when I was working there um this kind of traumatic incident happened. So a guy got shot outside my flat. I was living in London at the time. Um, and I got PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder from the incident. And that's kind of what led me to natural medicine. So I tried counseling, I tried antidepressants, but nothing really helped me. I was off work. I was really struggling with my mental health. And then I stumbled into a clinic, asked for some support, you know, what could they recommend? And they recommended acupuncture to me. And then after about six weeks, I'd 
had six sessions of acupuncture. I felt so much better. I was able to leave the house, go back to work. It had such a huge impact on me that I decided there and then that I wanted to train as an acupuncturist, see how it all worked, see what was going on. So that's kind of really what led me down the natural health route. And obviously I already had an interest in like hormonal health because it was affecting me every day. So it kind of all led me to like becoming a fertility expert in natural medicine. Yeah, I think it's always so fascinating how our personal experiences almost like draw us into the work that we end up doing. And even with something as traumatizing as that situation that you experienced, you know, at the end of it, it does inform your work in such a different way. And so it sounds like the support that you received by seeking some quote unquote alternative treatments or alternative support um, actually made a huge difference in not only how you're feeling day to day, but in the bigger picture. I mean, mental health is so, so important. And I think with, with diet culture in general and just the constant pressure of, you know, how our bodies look and the scrutiny that they're put under, it's compounded even more when you start exploring that fertility conversation. And so how did your interest in natural medicine or more natural treatments start to overlap into this interest in infertility? I know your background with PCOS is likely a part mm. of it, but I'm, I'm so curious to learn more about that. So it was a real journey for me kind of coming to terms with my own body. So once we started trying to get pregnant I was told it's going to be hard but actually we conceived both our boys really easily and that was a huge surprise to me because I was expecting it to be this real challenge I was still kind of classed as clinically obese on the BMI scale I was still having really irregular cycles so I was thinking it was going to be really hard and when it was easy for us I was just like whoa well that kind of goes against everything I've ever heard about you know fat women getting pregnant and then when my when I'd given birth to both my sons and they started growing up, I realized how much of an impact my words, my language, my actions around food would have on them. And that's really what kind of spurred me into looking at my own relationship with food and, you know, what messages and what things do I really want to be showing to them around their relationship with food and around how they talk about food and use food in their lives. And that's what really pushed me on to looking at um, different things outside of diet culture and, you know, what other ways can I relate with food? Can I be with food that aren't just going to be around restriction, around secret eating, around all these other things that I'd only ever known? Well, and I hear a lot of different ways that you've described your body, but I think this is a great call out to our listeners as well as a reminder that using the word fat as a neutral descriptor of your body is something quite different like in the context of this conversation compared to how it may be used in a clinical setting. And you alluded to some of the myths around conceiving or starting a family when you are living in a fat or a larger body. So what are, what are some of the bigger myths that you've heard of or perhaps experienced yourself when it comes to that topic? I know there's so much misinformation out there, so hopefully we can maybe clear the air just a little bit with, with some of the knowledge that you've got to share. Yeah, so the, t the two biggest ones really are that if, you, if you're if you in a fat body, that it's really hard to get pregnant, and that it's always going to be hard to get pregnant, and that if you get pregnant when you're in a fat body, that it's unhealthy. So I've heard so many stories of women in fat bodies who've t um, been told by their doctors that it's unethical for the doctor to help them because they are fat, and I just find that absolutely terrifying. Right, well, and it sends such a message that – 
you know, as you alluded to earlier, that our bodies can't be trusted or that mm-hmm. there is this inherent problem because of the size of our bodies. And, you know, we see examples across the size spectrum, you know, even across like the age spectrum or any other spectrum. But for whatever mm-hmm. reason, you know, it's viewed as being highly, highly problematic to attempt to conceive and deliver a baby if you're living in a very large or fat body. And so I think for for a lot of our listeners who are struggling with diet culture or this effect of yo-yo dieting that you mentioned, it's often rooted in the attempt to start their family and facing a lot of difficulty with it. So what do you think are some of the other obstacles that people are facing or some of the other kind of problematic or at the very least unhelpful messages that we're getting from the healthcare system about fertility and conceiving or delivering in a fat body? So the biggest one really is that the only option to you is to lose weight. So nearly every woman I spoke to, when they go and see their doctor, when they need support, when they're really struggling, they just turned around and said, you know, you've got to lose weight. I can't help you until you've lost weight. So that includes treatments, that includes any tests, that includes any kind of help. And, you know, for these women, they've already kind of had to build themselves up to going to the doctors because so many of them have had negative experiences already with healthcare professionals. And then it just this further kind of like gap between them and their healthcare professionals because they just feel like they won't get any support so many of them like you know me I was yo-yo dieting my whole life and for the doctor to just turn around as they lose weight I mean if it was that simple we'd have all done it and the diet industry wouldn't be worth like six billion dollars or however much it's worth now it's just such an unhelpful an unhelpful thing to say and it's something that is only told to fat women you know if you go in to see your GP um to see your healthcare professional at any other size they'll you know they'll be running tests they'll be doing all these other things to support you um and yeah so many of the, the healthcare professionals have a lot of kind of fat phobic ideals so there'll be lots of fat phobic comments around how you know unhelpful it is to be fat and getting pregnant how unethical it is how dangerous it is all these they'll give you a list of all these risks and problems that you'll encounter and it's just so unhelpful and so demoralizing and depressing and just makes it such a un it's just an awful experience for these women to go through. Right. Well, and you you mentioned that as well, these negative experiences that are born out of that disconnect between providers and the patients that they're seeing. And it really does create this this kind of phenomenon of healthcare avoidance where it's like, yeah, if that's always been a negative experience or, you know, you are just gearing yourself up to face this shame and stigma um, just by walking into a healthcare setting, it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's perfectly understandable that someone would wish to avoid that. And we know through the evidence and um, both just the experiences of people who have shared this with us that it is a real thing for, for weight stigma to contribute to avoidance of healthcare settings. And that leads to even more problems. So in the absence of this very unhelpful and incorrect advice that weight loss is the solution, what are some of the other ways that you could support fertility without that focus on weight loss? Um, Is there anything that you have found particularly helpful in your work now as a a fertility specialist? Yeah, so I mean, in... In our kind of Western medicine, fertility is seen in isolation. So it's like your reproductive organs are seen in this beautiful diagram that's like 
just all separate and not surrounded by anything else. But in your body, you're, you know, it's all connected, like your digestive tracts in there and your kidneys and your liver, and it's all squished together. And we almost forget that everything's working together in our bodies. It's not just separate and separated out to be like individual functions. So, and we also have this idea that being super fertile is this like superhuman health status that we can achieve when in actual fact it's just another indicator of our general health so I think looking beyond weight and looking at what our health priorities are in general can be really helpful like you know we all know our bodies better than anybody else we all know kind of the the environmental factors we face and our stress factors that we face so I think really just being aware of what's going on in your life and what your health priorities are and focusing on them instead of like weight loss being your goal is really, really important. And also making sure you look at it from a, you know, physical and mental health perspective and not just what your physical health is doing. Mm, I love that because it's, it's so true, right? Like in our culture, we tend to uphold the value that being extremely fertile or being able to easily bear children is like this thing that we should all aspire to accomplish. When in reality, some people are very neutral or indifferent. Some people don't plan to ever have a family of their own. And it's sometimes looked down on as, you know, the othering or you know, kind of like this shameful state that someone has to acknowledge. And so I love that you brought that up because we also see fertility issues across the size spectrum, right? We kind of mentioned before that there's a, a wide range of how this experience plays out for people. And it's not exclusive to people of any one particular size, no matter where it lands on the spectrum. So in this, um, kind of holistic view of of health. I also love that you mentioned that, you know, nothing exists in a silo. Our reproductive system doesn't exclusively exist separate from our digestive system or our mental health is not completely separate from our physical health. So how does intuitive eating play into this? Or can you kind of help paint the picture of how a non-diet approach could be beneficial for someone who does wish to support their fertility but is no longer interested in weight loss or is trying to move away from that weight-focused goal? It's such an important tool because it really allows you to take your body back. I mean, it's allowing you to reconnect with your body and really learn to trust your body again after years of being told how you should eat, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, what you should feel guilty about eating. And for women who maybe have struggled to get pregnant or, you know, are really worried about it, that trust is really missing from their body. They feel like they can't trust their body, that their body isn't able to have a regular cycle or to get pregnant or to do all these things that we are told that women's bodies should be able to do really easily. So being able to really rebuild that trust with your body again and learning about the cues of your body and how your hunger works and just really connecting in with what your body needs is so important and so like profoundly helpful on your physical and mental health when you're trying to get pregnant. Right. And I think that's one of the ways that we do become so disconnected is, you know, always seeking to change or alter to to kind of fit into like this very small mold. And in your work as as a fertility specialist and openly declaring that you're advocating for more fat positivity and body acceptance in that space, um, I think the mental health component is 
is so worth noting because that has a huge impact on, on physical health, right? Like we just said, it doesn't exist, you know, individually. And so in, in your work with clients, um, I have a feeling that this comes up, but please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm kind of curious how you broach that conversation about body acceptance and starting to feel not only more confident in your own body, but obviously if we're talking about fertility, we have to also consider partners and other relationships and how that impacts impacts how we're feeling mentally and emotionally and in the impact on health. So what are some of the ways that that comes up in your work and and what are some things that someone might be able to do to help facilitate a more positive relationship in that area? I think the most important thing to remember is to kind of just meet yourself where you're at. So if you're in a really kind of bad place with your body at the moment, if you feel like you can't trust it, if you really hate it, and this is this is the, the norm, the truth for so many fat women that they really just don't know how they'll ever, you know, even like their body, never mind love their body or accept their body. It's just really meeting yourself where you're at. And, you know, you can work towards self-acceptance, self-confidence, liking your body, loving your body. But worrying about kind of going from the extremes is where you can kind of almost trip yourself up before you even get started because you just cannot see or imagine a world where you could possibly love a body that you've been told you know on millions and millions of times over your lifetime isn't you're not able to love isn't worth loving so even just getting to a place of okay I don't have to love my body but right now I can just accept that this is where it's at right now and you know in this moment there's nothing I can physically do to change that and just you know start to appreciate other aspects of your health um, of your health, of, of your personality, of yourself, because we are so much more than our bodies. And often we get so hyper-focused on, you know, ourselves being our bodies, we forget that, you know, we're a million and one other things apart from that. So sometimes even just taking the focus away from our bodies and kind of coming at it from a different angle can be really helpful. That is such great advice because I feel like the the common perception is that our worth or value is so linked to how we physically appear when in reality that's just kind of like the way that we move through the world and I love that you mentioned that there's all these other elements that compose a person from you know their personality to the things that they're passionate about their values and and all these other things that constitute a whole entire person and often it gets so watered down to just being that that physical appearance and I think you bring up a really great point as well that moving from one extreme of self-loathing or body hatred to all of a sudden everything is fantastic, I love my body and this is great, you know, that's such a wide leap that it is difficult to imagine a world where you can make that shift. But I think sometimes those helpful reminders of, of like you mentioned, just coming to a place where we're acknowledging or accepting or just seeing our body can be a huge catalyst for setting in, in motion those healthful behaviors that actually do support better well-being in the absence of an active attempt for for weight loss. I'm kind of curious as well as far as, you know, the the type of work that you do and some of the resources that you've put together, um, some of the other helpful ways that you help to facilitate that mindset shift of moving from being so diet focused and weight focused to something that is much more focused on health or well-being. And if there's any other elements that play into that that are worth noting. Um, so it's really, I guess the first, the first real shift that I like to work with people about is 
for them to stop feeling bad or feeling guilty or feeling judged about wanting to get pregnant. So that's like the first thing that we really talk about is because, you know, there's so many people around them that are having this conversation with them about, oh, well, you know, you need to lose weight. It's better for you to lose weight. You need to do this, to do this, you know, to change yourself. And I think for them to start to come from a place of like, okay, it is okay for me to want to get pregnant right now. And it's okay for my body to get pregnant that is a really good place to start from because otherwise you can just be working with the person and they can accept that their body yeah is capable of pregnancy but then there's this whole other element of the people around them you know like saying it's bad and saying that they're wrong or they're not worthy of this so there's so many elements of it and it's it's just such an important thing to really dive down into those beliefs of what what is really going on for them? You know, what do they believe about their body? What do they believe about getting pregnant? What do they believe around their relationship with food and how the people perceive them for wanting to get pregnant? So, so many factors to it, but I think just really starting again, right, going back to the starting from where you're at, you know, looking at what your priorities are because they're going to be different for everybody and really just taking one little baby step at a time from where you are to kind of your own priorities. I love that as well because when we talk about openly expressing those desires without shame or even if that's too far to reach, just less shame around openly stating that desire, I think there's also a lot of shame tied into infertility because, you know, we don't commonly talk about things like uh, pregnancy loss or miscarriages or these other really traumatizing events that can take place around conception and trying to start a family. And I think that encouragement to just be more open and transparent puts us in such a vulnerable place that we often feel that tug to return to something familiar, even if we know that familiarity is something like a diet that is not necessarily helpful. So do you ever find that there's that struggle of of wishing to return to that or like that temporary holdout that like, okay, well, once I... Once I have my baby, I can always go back and pursue weight loss again. And and how do you kind of grapple with, with those types of thoughts if they ever come up with your clients? Oh, they come up all the time because it's we're still always fighting this kind of really entrenched belief that we need to be in a smaller body. And it's something that comes up again and again. And I think it's a journey that all of us, no matter where we are on our journey to kind of accepting our bodies, it's always going to come up. And one of the really interesting gray areas that I'm working with a lot of clients with at the moment is this idea that they really want to accept their bodies and they really want to not change their bodies. But on the other hand, the healthcare system that they're currently in is um, explicit about what they what size they have to be in order to get treatment. So it's this real kind of battle between okay I don't want to change my body I don't want to do any dieting or anything like that but then they you know time is ticking and they feel like they're running out of time to start their family and the systems that they're in are stating okay well you have to have a BMI lower than 30 but otherwise we will not help you and there is no wiggle room there is no option there's no kind of negotiation or argument about it that's the hoop they have to jump through so it's this real gray area of okay, well, I feel like I have to lose weight, otherwise I'm not going to be able to have a family. So it's really like a real tussle and a tangle to really figure out, you know, how to support these women and how to get the support that they need kind of mentally and physically 
whilst trying to decide, you know, whether they want to lose weight on a conventional route or whether they can just feel like they can support themselves, you know, um, with intuitive eating or something like that and how that really interplays because it's such a stark kind of contrast between those two areas and sometimes they don't feel like they belong in either camp. Right, and that must be such a frustrating spot to land in because, as you said, there is kind of like this ticking clock in the back of your mind and you you do wonder maybe there isn't enough time or if I pursue this other other option and still have to go back to where I started, you know, what then? And so, yeah, I feel like this is a really common struggle because we have a similar um, kind of phenomenon that takes place in the United States where in order to seek fertility treatment or be accepted for fertility treatments, there's often the ceiling of what what BMI is deemed, quote unquote, acceptable or um, allowable. And it is so problematic. This is such a personal topic. And it's really not to say that there's one right choice, you know, we all have the autonomy to choose what we do or don't do for our bodies. But um, that frustration, I have a feeling is is often really difficult. So in those situations where someone is on the fence or kind of feeling like they're being tugged between these these two options, how do you support them in finding which option is actually the best fit for them or feels the most authentic or the most the most true to themselves for what they really value and what they want? So I think the most important thing is to start with the truth. So really, really helping them understand, you know, like if they want to go down a conventional dieting route, what that means. So how that affects their body and their metabolism, how it affects their fertility. Because if you go on an extreme calorie deficient diet or kind of extreme exercise regime, it does have negative effects on your fertility because your body is just like, hey, okay, you need energy to like go in your fight or flight stress state, we're going to divert all your resources away from your digestion and your reproductive organs. So I think, you know, having an awareness of it could have a negative impact on their fertility is really important. Having an awareness that the weight's probably going to come back on and probably going to come even more if you go down this kind of traditional dieting route. And just that all these things that, that you're told already that, being fat is hard to get pregnant if you're fat it's unhealthy to get pregnant they're not really true you know there's so much evidence now out there that supports the fact that fat does not mean unhealthy and I think they cannot make an informed decision about what to do unless they're in you know in they have access to all those facts and I think it's so important to make a decision from a really informed place and not one of like fear-based where you're like oh my god if I don't lose this weight then I'm just never going to have a baby and you know it needs to be from a place of okay I'm consenting to doing this because I know all the facts and I'm making the decision in in that way I talk about that a lot. I think that's a great point to bring up. Being more informed can actually make you feel more empowered in a situation because you do feel like you have at least all the facts laid out on the table. And then even regardless of which decision you end up making, you've at least taken a close look at the pros and cons and potential outcomes based on kind of these more objective types of facts instead of what we often tell ourselves, which becomes those false beliefs, you know, those those things that we just emotionally feel connected to but may not necessarily be true when we kind of look at them in that objective way. So yeah, I think that's 
excellent advice because this is really similar to the type of coaching and counseling that we do with intuitive eating. And it's so interesting to me to see the the parallels and how this non-diet approach can actually infiltrate other areas of health like fertility. So I wanted to give you a chance to share a little bit more about the resources that you've developed because I know that you have a guide that talks so much more about this topic. Um, so where can people go to learn more about your work and um, find other resources that might yield some really helpful information? So yeah, the guide that I've um, created is the Fat Girl's Guide to Getting Pregnant. Um, and if you want to grab your own copy, it's um, on my website at nicolasalmon.co.uk forward slash guide. And that's just kind of three really simple steps, most of which we've already touched on anyway today, all about like, you know, how you can begin to shift that relationship between feeling like you have to lose weight in order to get pregnant and just like, you know, like the practical ways that you can do that. But yeah, on my website, nicolasalmon.co.uk, there's so many like blog posts and resources about kind of shifting your mindset around this, you know, belief that you have to be skinny in order to get pregnant. And then I post a lot on Instagram and my Instagram handle is fat positive fertility. And there's loads of stuff on there all about, different ways that you can support yourself through this without going on a diet. Perfect. Well, we will definitely link to those in the show notes. Like I mentioned, that was how I first discovered your work and look forward to learning so much more from you going forward. But are there any last words of encouragement or advice or anything else that you feel like could really add to this conversation on this topic before we wind down for this episode? So I think the most important thing is for every woman out there who wants to have a baby is to know that she's worthy right now of having a baby regardless of her size of her um age of any other factor and you know so often in a, as a woman in a fat body I feel that I'm less than worthy but I just want you to know if you're listening that you are worthy today of becoming a mother so well said. Well, I appreciate so much of what you've shared and really appreciate that you've taken the time to chat with us today. I'm definitely linking to all of the resources that you called out and mentioned, and we look forward to getting this episode out. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Cara. I'm so grateful. All right, so that was our episode with Nicola Salmon of Fat Positive Fertility. Be sure to check out our show notes for the resources that we mentioned, especially if you're curious to learn more about her work or connect with her on Instagram like I've done. It was so insightful to be able to hear some of the struggles that her clients are facing, and I felt like she did a really great job of you know, bringing compassion and kindness to this conversation, especially when traditional healthcare settings can be so judgmental and make it really difficult to find that body acceptance that can ultimately be so, so helpful for fertility. I think another really revelatory moment, for me at least, was the gentle reminder that things like intentional weight loss or dieting attempts can actually be harmful to fertility because it puts our bodies in such a stressful state. 
This is something that is so, so easy to lose sight of because we get so wrapped up in the excitement of dieting, right? Like it can be really captivating to think about that potential for weight loss or the potential that our bodies might change. And in the long run, it really comes down to weighing the pros and cons. You know, like she was saying, there can be a number of different decisions. And if you feel like you're under pressure because of time or age or whatever the case may be, that's a really, really hard question to ask yourself. So we don't have all the answers for that, especially on this podcast when we're limited by time, but but I wanted to mention that again. So if you like the show and you've enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you hopped over to iTunes to leave us a rating or review. This feedback is so, so helpful for us, especially as we continue to experiment with different show formats and new topics here in season two. Another great way that you can show support for the show is to share this episode with someone who might be interested in hearing a non-diet message, especially if you feel like the topic for the episode would really resonate with them. And in the meantime, of course, we hope to see you here again soon. We'll return next week with a brand new guest and a brand new topic. So until then, have a great week. Thanks so much for listening.